Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks show. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings to you some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is a good friend of mine, Mr. Adam Roa. And before I introduce him, I just want to give a, uh, a friendly reminder to head on over to the Facebook and join the Man Talks community. We've got about 4,000 men from around the world that are a part of that group. And we dig into some great conversations uh, all about modern masculinity, modern fatherhood and relationship dynamics, sex, intimacy, fitness, you name it. We dive into it. So head on over there and check that out. And um, just a quick reminder for all the men that I am launching a, another version of the Alliance here in mid-November, and I would love for you to check it out and join if it suits you. We've got men from around the world that are a part of that, and we have weekly virtual calls that I lead personally. You get access to the Purpose program that I have created and built that isn't even launched yet, and you get a weekly call uh, with your group, with your team. So you get you get accountability. You get an incredible brotherhood of men that are helping support you through whatever you're working through. We help uh, actually focus quite a bit in on improving your mindset, uh, finding a deeper sense of purpose in life, mastering your intimate relationships and and being able to support you with your intimate relationships and helping you build a a really strong brotherhood of guys who are holding you accountable to the type of man that you say you want to be. So guys, check it out. Ladies, if uh, if you know that your man is looking for a good resource or a man in your life is looking for a resource to support his growth and development, definitely send him over to the Man Talks Alliance. You can find it on mantalks.com forward slash the dash alliance. So without any further delay, um, Adam Roa, man, oh man, what an amazing guy. He is a spoken word poet. Uh, he's got a YouTube show called The Art of Choosing Love. Uh, and he talks about quite a few things, but he uses video as a medium to really communicate his internal message. He talks a lot about spirituality. He uses spoken word poetry to convey the messages of personal development in such a way that are incredibly, incredibly inspiring. And at the end of our conversation, he shares one of his pieces that went super viral called You Are What You've Been Looking For. And it's a really powerful piece that he shared on stage at uh, a friend Kyle Cease's event and went really, really well, sort of going viral uh, all over all over Facebook and YouTube. But uh, Adam specializes in, in really helping people utilize creativity in a way uh, that really showcases their own personal growth and development. So using creativity to reflect, using creativity to grow, you, using creativity to d- develop and define ourselves in, in very... Uh, very powerful ways. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how you can dive more deeply into creativity. We're also going to talk about how you can leverage that creativity for your own personal growth and development, regardless of what your creative outlet is. Uh, And then we're going to talk about spirituality. And we take a little bit of a deep dive into spiritual awakenings, what those actually mean, what to do with them. Uh, Adam shares some of his personal stories. I share a little bit of mine. And, uh, And we take a little bit of a detour down the spiritual path, which is um, not quite as uh, not quite I don't want to say normal but um, it's not what we have necessarily do- dove into in the past so uh, definitely uh, a pretty incredible episode here today with Adam Rose so grab a pen grab a paper and uh, dive in don't forget to man it forward share this podcast with just one person it goes a long way don't forget to leave us a rating and review and without any further delay please welcome Mr. Adam Roa thanks for having me Connor I appreciate it man 
Always love talking to you. Yeah, man. It's it's about time that, that I had you on the show. I'm like, I've been really looking forward to this for a while. You know, like we've done a bunch of Facebook lives. Uh, it came in and spoke at your event, which was just uh, just incredible permission to, to, to think freely. I almost said permission to speak freely, but you know, <laughs> permission to think freely. Freudian uh, slip. Which was amazing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, um, yeah, man, I really, I really respect your, really respect your work. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. So let's, uh, let's dive in with, with the question. I, I always start off with our guests, uh, asking the same question. So, uh, tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today. Absolutely, man. The um, thing that most people see today is probably the the art and the artistry and the spoken word poetry and the, and speaking on stages and the film uh, around like the show, the art of choosing love, and just like creativity in general. And I used to not think of myself as a creative person. I used to think of myself as an analytical, logical, practical person. And like my brother and sister were the creative ones. And I found my love through achievement. Uh, my father is from the Philippines. I had this very like first generation immigrant mentality of you work hard and you achieve success, which looks like kind of this American dream of a house, a career, a wife, 2.5 kids, the nuclear family, that sort of thing. And um, so throughout my life, I really tried to overachieve to, to earn love. And that looked like um, everything you could imagine from a stereotypical what would be cool, like varsity sports, president of the club, uh, the, you know, being popular and being well-liked and successful. That was everything that I wanted. And that was epitomized by Homecoming King, which, you know, I entered into high school at five feet tall and 73 pounds uh, as a high school freshman. And so I had this Napoleon complex where I was just so small and overcompensating. Women didn't see me as a man or as, as a sexual object. They saw me as like a boy, like a cute little kid. And so to me, Homecoming King was... Uh, like the thing that you saw in all the movies, like the homecoming King was so cool. He not only did all the girls want him, but like the, the girls, moms, like the neighbors and things wanted him. He was just like, seemed to have everything. And so I won homecoming King my senior year and I woke up the next morning and nothing internally had shifted. Like legitimately, I had all the same fears and doubts and insecurities and and self-loathing. And to top that off, I didn't have a mountaintop anymore of if I get there, I won't feel this. Like that was gone. There was just, just emptiness of what now. And it's funny because for whatever reason, nature or nurture, I extrapolated that into, well, what would happen if I follow what everything is telling me to do of going to college, getting the career, getting the job, doing that nuclear family thing? What if I'm 45 and I have that feeling? Now what? I've, I've made a million dollars. Like, what do I do now? And I refuse to accept that as going to be my reality. And I started asking the questions, well, what actually like makes me happy. Like, what does my heart want despite what anyone else is saying? And I ultimately made the decision to leave behind an advertising agency 
uh, job offer and move to Los Angeles to pursue a career in acting. And that, like leaving behind all my friends and where I grew up and a job offer of security and safety and, and all of that was the first real major step in saying, I'm going to prioritize my hopes and dreams and my heart more than anything else. And that one shift has propelled me on this path to where I, where I am today because that's a foundational way in which I approach life, which is what is your greatest joy? What is your highest excitement? And how do you create a life that allows you to be in that as much as possible? Yeah, amazing, man. I think, you know, it's it's so interesting because I think that so many people feel that pull to not do this sort of like traditional path anymore. You know, the 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 non-traditional, non-conforming path of of not not just like following your dreams like that cliche saying but really moving towards your joy you know moving towards what lights you up and i'm curious from you you know your work and from your perspective what are some of the things that actually create those types of people cuz i've i've kind of noticed that there there are people that just kind of like fall into this space of like they will go for years and decades just kind of pursuing pursuing sort of like classic versions of success, you know, like mainstream success. And what what is it that makes people shift away from, you know, doing the nine to five, moving up the corporate ladder, getting the house of the white picket fence and, you know, getting married and having two kids by a certain age? What actually calls people to shift away from that from from what you've observed? Well, from what I've observed, it's funny because, you know, as as someone who's been a co- excuse me, as a coach, um, and, you know, spiritual mentor to, to a number of clients, I've recognized that we only can really coach from where we've been, what we've walked. And so a lot of my clients reflect back to me a similar journey. So CEO level, 45 year old, uh, 40 year olds who are at that space that I was at at 18 asking that question. And so I've actually had a lot of experience working with people who are asking that question and at the age of 40, shifting into what drives their heart. And what I would say, honestly, is as much as and I'm going to I want to put this into two parts. The, the one thing that I've seen more than anything else is discontent and discomfort, meaning so many people wait until it is too damn uncomfortable and they are too damn unhappy to continue doing it the same way they've been doing it. And that seems to be, in my experience, the point at which people are like, whoa, what's going on? For me, in like my initial like awakening, what I would call it, um, and it wasn't at Homecoming King, it was another series of events where everything was going so horribly wrong that like literally I, I was from small stuff, like being at a financial zero, which isn't a small thing, but having my iPhone stolen to getting in a car accident where someone ran a stop sign, T-boned me. I needed hip surgery. I had migraines for weeks. One week later to the day, my rental car was hit and run run on the side of the road and demolished (laughs) literally the exact same day, one week later, at same time. And I broke like my, my mental state broke. And what that did was create an opening, right? Because that opening was when I said, I don't think I have this figured out. I don't actually think that 
I am doing this life thing the way that I see other people doing it who are really happy. They've got, they've figured something out and I've been the person who thought, Oh, I'm, I'm a really smart guy. I'm really successful in these ways. I can, I'm on the path to happiness. And there became a point where I was so uncomfortable and so unhappy that I said this, I don't know. And that humbling like that to me is the the change point. When you humble yourself enough to say, I don't know, I don't have this actually figured out. I don't, I need some help. Mm. And that moment for me was the changing point um, that ultimately led to, to my, what I would call spiritual awakening. Um, even though I'd already been on the path since 18 of starting to follow my heart and asking these deeper questions, it was just kind of a next level. And so to answer your question, I think it's, it's, getting to a place where you're willing to humble yourself and say, the way I'm doing it is not working for me anymore. And I could use some help. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. Cause I think that there's, you know, there's really like two types of people in the world, right? Like there's the people who consciously or subconsciously believe that in order for their life to change, they need to hit rock bottom, you know, and they're, 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 there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. Um, but that's the, that's like the one the one way that people change and the other way that people change is that they realize that they have a choice and that they don't have to actually bottom out before change actually takes place. And, and that it usually requires that level of help and support that you're talking about. And I think that the, the sort of like sad thing is, and I think that men and women usually deal with this differently. I see a lot more, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this, but I see a lot more men being in the first category and a lot more women being in the second category right? Where like a lot more men tend to go down this path of like knowing that they want things to change, knowing that they could have a better relationship or, you know, that they want to uh, shift professionally in their career or in their mindset or in their health, but they sort of like avoid, 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 numb out. And then, you know, when things hit this like rock bottom, even though they, that, and this is something that I hear a lot of people talk about. It's like, oh, I saw this coming. You know, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this outcome was going to happen. They bottom out. And then it's from that space that they, it's almost like that rebirth. Whereas the second type of people, usually they can 